fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, fantasy excellence, fantasy championships, trophies, and all that good stuff. I'm your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself. And I'm just going to be honest with you people. If I seem a little bit different today than I often do, not the usual chipper truth that you're used to. (laughs) It's been a bad fucking fantasy week. And I'm not too happy about it. Uh, It's just one of those things you forget when you have success over a period of time, and I've had a very good team this year, you forget what it feels like to not do well, to get humiliated, to have nothing work. And that's what I've been going through. It's like you go to bed and you just feel bad about yourself. You feel like your wife or your girlfriend left you or like you got fired from your job or something like that. That's how I feel right now. My team. Yeah, I mean, we deserve it at, the, at weeks like this. You, you just know you look in the mirror and you're like, why, why do I deserve right. anything good in my life? When I, right. when, I'm like, when I play Jeff Wilson in my starting oh, lineup and he doesn't log a fucking snap. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I think a lot of people are in that boat of just a fucking horrible week. NFL-wise, I mean, what a wild week. We'll kind of hit both as we recap this thing because there's just some crazy games we have to touch upon, too. Yeah. Madness, just madness for fantasy, madness in the real world for football, just madness in life. And and we don't deserve anything good in our lives. I'm with you, Nat, for our fantasy sins. No, oh. everything was <laughs> everything was bad. Now I admit I didn't do anything like the Jeff Wilson thing. Yeah. That's that's brutal. You can't um, be that. No, most people aren't that dumb. I, I am, but I'm most sorry that <laughs> that happened to you. I wish you better than that. But I mean, just real quick, <laughs> just really quickly before we start going into this stuff. I mean, think about what happened. The Broncos destroyed the Cowboys in Dallas. Like, basically should have shut them out. Uh, Cincinnati got bludgeoned by the Browns. Uh, The Jaguars beat the uh, Bills, held them to six points. This is the worst defense in the NFL, just to be clear. So uh, if you saw that coming, you're a better man than me. Uh, The Rams, basically impotent on Sunday night. Just, uh, you know, the Derrick Henry-less Titans, just all of a sudden, what, do they have, like, the best defense in the NFL all of a sudden? What's going on? I didn't I know, know any of this. I watch football all the time. I didn't know any of this stuff. Four of the top contenders for the Super Bowl just, what, a week or two ago now suddenly look pathetic. And the I, Chiefs. The Chiefs. Oh, they mean, suck. I know they won. They won. <laughs> but, I mean, they scored like 13 points. And if they had been playing like an NFL quarterback, I'm sure they'd have lost by two touchdowns. It is a week. I know, again, I know it's a fancy show, but who would you actually say is the best team in the AFC right now? Is it still the in Bills the, after losing the, the AFC? Who, who I, I cannot I cannot look you in the eye in good conscience and say that a team that just scored six points against the worst the defense Kings. in the league is the best team in the FC. I can't say that. I'm going to the Titans. It might be the Titans by now. I'm going to say I'm going to say the Titans, and I'm shocked to be saying that. And it's not like I think they're a juggernaut, but yeah, I guess right now they're the best team in the AFC. And call know. me nuts, and call me a optimistic home. No, I know exactly what you're going to say. I think the Patriots can sneak on in there, baby. I really do. They're definitely going to be a playoff team. They're a game back in their division. And they have two against that pathetic Bills team that can't beat the Jags. Oh, baby. But let's get into some fantasy. If we keep talking about the landscape of the NFL and certainly our fantasy teams, we'll never get out of here. We'll just be stuck in quicksand. Let's get into it. madness. So let's talk about at least some good players and the bad too. All your risers, fallers, all the usage recap. Coming right. at you live, folks. And then, of course, if you have any questions out there, hit hit those in the mailbag. We'll get them all. And, of yep. course, that thumbs-up button, shares, oh, yeah. retweets, all that good stuff. A free, easy way to help us grow. So appreciated. Thank you again, guys, for being tuned in here, whether you're yeah. live or catching the recap. This is truly, I think, the best show. Well, I love our Thursday night show in terms of, like, enjoyment factor. I like that. But in terms of actual knowledge, yeah. this recap show fucking kills it. The so. Thursday, yeah, it's a, it's a great show. And the people that come in and check us out are awesome. The Thursday show is different. There's all there's all this hope. Anything's possible going into yeah. the week on Thursday. <laughs> like on Monday, usually I'm feeling good because I got it locked up. But today I just feel terrible. So hopefully I'll I'll rally and I'll I'll 
give you the stellar hosting that you're used to. Um, and we're going to start the quarterback movers. And some of these are good. Some of these are bad. We're going to start with Lamar Jackson, 27 out of 41. Maybe the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. I don't it know. could be. 27 out of 41, 266 passing yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Not bad. Although, let's add 21 carries for a buck 20 onto that. That is the third most rushing attempts by a quarterback in NFL history. Those are legit running back numbers. I wonder where he is in the rushing uh, pantheon right now amongst all rushers in the NFL this year. I don't know that answer, but that's a pretty monster fantasy game. That is Konami upside, as the Wolf likes to say, of the highest degree. Absolutely. And just from a real-life point of view, too, he had been entering this year 0-6 when he was down two scores at halftime. The whole narrative, he can't throw and come back. He's got nothing. He has now won all four games where he's been down by two scores at halftime so far this year. He's flipping the narrative. I think he has to be in your MVP conversation so far this year. And fantasy MVP, he's starting to approach that because of, as you said, that Konami upside. It, insane. Matt Ryan, you'd think he would drop off huge without Calvin Ridley, yet another 300-yard day. It seems like he's kind of regaining some juice. It's I don't know if I really want to fully buy into that, but 343, 23 of 30, wins 27 to 25. The Falcons sneaky, is it five straight wins now? Uh, I mean, they are ripping it up. At this point, and no Calvin Ridley, no problem. We'll talk about how the pass catchers did a little bit later, but with a nice juicy matchup against the Cowboys coming up, we just saw what Teddy Bridgewater did to him. I think Matt Ryan has to be in your starting and streaming conversations moving forward. And I just want to re, uh, read a couple of text back and forth between you and I. This is from Friday, October 29th. Um, uh, actually, a little before that. Um, and I said, these two teams, the Bucks and the Rams, are all very good teams in the NFC. I'm, I'm talking about uh, the Cardinals game that, and the Packers that were on TV. The other and then you said the NFC playoffs are going to be effing awesome. Then I say Cowboys could be interesting too. And then I say Falcons could even sneak in. You go, I like Dallas a lot. Falcons suck, LOL, no chance. <laughs> well, here they are. Uh, they're, they're getting a little hot. Matt Ryan seems to know his window is going to be slamming shut soon. I've always liked Arthur Smith. He's got the boys playing well. Let's see what happens. I'm into it. All right. Let's talk about guys that are uh, falling off the face of, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. I know Mahomes is on the banner. Let's talk about Josh Allen real quick. Not the Josh Allen that beat the shit out of him on the field uh, on the other team. Uh, but this Josh Allen, 31 out of 47 for 264. Not very efficient there. No touchdowns, two picks in the Bills. And I'm not reading this wrong. Nine to six loss to the Jaguars, adding 50 rushing yards and losing a fumble on five carries. What a shitty game. Absolutely shitty. He was two to one to win MVP, I think, going, which was crazy, by the way. Oh. Two to one going into that game to win MVP. Nuts. Awful. Awful stuff. 9.6 fantasy points was his lowest since week four of 2019. That is insane. It tells you how good he's been, but that is pathetic to see it. And, you know, Joe Bashulia of the Bills there, the athletic, we had him on this summer. Great guy. He says they're getting the quote-unquote Chiefs treatment, playing a lot of cover two shell, you know, taking away any type of deep shots, making the running backs beat them, and they just can't do it. So Pat Mahomes, and, and you know, we could talk about next on this list. Yeah, let's talk about Pat Mahomes. As well. The Chiefs, you know, 166 yards and one TD. He has 4.5 yards per attempt. This is insane. The guy had not averaged – below six yards per attempt uh, ever. And now in four of his last six games, he has been under that. That had happened, again, three times across 27 games in his career. Now it's happened in four of his last six. It, it, again, defenses have just seemed to figure out these big-armed quarterbacks. They're making them beat them uh, in other ways. And they, I guess Mahomes did beat them this week. The Jags did not get beat by Josh Allen. Uh, so we'll see if these either of these quarterbacks – can figure these defenses out, but it seems like some some NFL teams have the blueprint how to stop Josh Allen, how to stop Pat Mahomes. We'll see how it plays out, huh? If I said to you going into that Bills-Jags game, if I said to you, I'm a psychic, um, and I can tell you right now, the Jags are going to score nine points, what what percent chance would you say that the Bills would win that game? A hundred? A hundred. A hundred and ten. You'd be like nine points for the Jags? probably right. I, nine points for the Jags sounds about right. I right. hear psychic because yes, of course, the Jags nine points might be a little generous for them, but okay, I can see that. Maybe they put up a little fight and have nine points and lose by 35. But yeah, 
Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Oh, all right. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Burrow completed 28 out of 40. That's 70%, not terrible, but only 282 yards, two picks in Cincinnati's 41 to 16 week nine ass kicking at the hands of the Browns. These games just keep on coming, right? I mean, he actually went down the field pretty easily the first time they had the ball, but then he, he uh, threw a pick six. It was like 96 yards, 98 yards, something like that. It was and, 100. Uh, I think it was intercepted in the end zone and went all the way down the field. It was 98 at least. And yeah, and that was pretty much it. They never came back. I mean, there were flashes of brilliance. Occasionally, uh, T. Higgins had some nice catches. Jamar Chase had a couple drops, like some signature drops uh, that we were worried about maybe going into the year. And they just got their ass kicked. Yep. And Jalen Hurts, another shitty game. Uh, They're starting, of course, when Miles Sanders gets hurt, to lean on the run game. He had 31 pass attempts per game uh, on average. Actually, no, 35 on average from weeks one to seven. He has 31 total pass attempts across his last two. And it is fantasy floor, which was so high and, you know, top 10 QB every single week. He started to crater out because of it. Yes, of course, it's not the pass attempts that are making him a fantasy viable start. It's, of course, his legs. But the fact that he was throwing it, you know, 30 times a game, especially in comeback mode, was at least making this guy viable. They have completely flipped the script and run it, you know, over 50 times in back-to-back weeks. That's really going to cap this guy's ceiling and floor moving forward. Never mind the fact that he could just get benched for Gardner Minshew at any point. Uh, You got to be worried about him. Very worried about him. All right, we're going to talk Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, that combo. And I'm just going to read almost directly from the notes here. If Taysom Hill is named the starter, he's easily the best waiver wire pickup amongst quarterbacks. I think I probably agree with that too. Combine his rushing. And then, then this part cracks me up. In a plus matchup versus the Titans, who are a bottom 10 defense versus quarterback. Are they? Are they, though? Are they a, are they a bottom 10 defense? I'm not sure. But all that aside, Simeon did have solid stats in week nine. He had 249 passing yards, two touchdowns. Um, doesn't necessarily make it a preordained thing that Taysom Hill is going to be the guy, right? No, I don't think so. I wish it was for fantasy purposes. But Simeon just keeps doing just enough to hold on to this job and cap us of another viable starter. This guy didn't play this week. In fact, his team didn't, but I did want to make sure it's clear. Russ Wilson officially cleared huge news on the rest of the season. Big board for him right back into your top eight QBs big for the weapons. Of course, even more so DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, who both did have good games against the Jags that Josh Allen can't figure out, but (laughs) that that puzzle that is the Jaguars defense. It just makes no sense. What, What the hell is the NFL anymore? I don't know, but Russ Wilson will be walking into the seventh easiest schedule moving forward for QBs. So right into some cakewalk matchups. You'll love to see it. I'm excited to watch what the Seahawks team does down the stretch. Alvin Kamara rushed 13 times for 50 yards and a touchdown in the Saints' week nine loss to the Falcons. He did add four receptions for 54 yards. That's the Konami outside, um, you know, well, I guess for a running back. It's, what's what's the cat, What's the pass catching equivalent of running uh, for a running back? What I do don't know. There that? should be a name for that, right? Yeah. Because it is Konami. Because it's like that's, that's where – that's that's the gravy. Like that's the thing that you're looking for. It's like ah, you had an okay game, but here's an extra eleven points. Exactly, like two point eight four times the value of a carry right. is a target in PPR leagues. Uh, the reason Kamara's on here, though, yeah, that's a pretty solid stat line. But we also saw Ingram mixing yeah. in now. Uh, for how many did he have this week? Forty three rush yards on nine attempts, uh, five catches for twenty one. That's pretty damn annoying that he had more catches. Than, uh, than Alvin Kamara. And it just goes to show right. you, Kamara, that was seeing 30 touches, setting career highs each and every week in his carries. That's not happening anymore with Ingram there. We knew it. We knew there was going to be a hit. I don't know that any of us saw it being quite as big as it is right now. And I think it certainly knocks Kamara outside your top five rest of season rankings down towards the bottom 12 of the first round, in my opinion. And imagine if Taysom Hill does get that job, that extra ding on Kamara. Like, he might not be a top 10 guy. No, he might not. And just to like show you again how much it was the difference. You know, JJ Zacharyson, one of my favorite uh, follows on Twitter at Late Round QB. Alvin Kamara before the Ingram trade, eighty-three and a half percent running back rush share, twenty-two point three percent target share. He's now seen sixty-five percent of the rush share, fourteen percent of the target share. Huge dings across. Both you're talking him twenty-five, thirty percent of like his total. Aerial pie and uh, and ground pie. Exactly. All right, exactly. let's get into 20, yeah. somebody that I – oh, wait, go ahead. Next one, James Conner. Talk to us about these guys. And James Conner, I can tell you right now what you can do, and it's not yeah. positive. Yeah, so in week two, before, before we keep going here, week two, 
He had zero touchdowns. Oh. He had like, I think 40 yards on the ground. My fantasy locker room needed a message. I decided to make James Conner the sacrificial lamb and send him packing. What's he up to now? 11 touchdowns since I got him? Holy hell. And oh, yes, well, well, hold on. You, didn't you pick someone up for him, though? Oh, a real big stud who I started this week. Jeff Wilson. He's finally back. I cut Connor for him. They're lined up against each other. Let me send a message and show James Connor who I cut him for. My guy didn't log a snap. His guy, James Connor, 21 carries, 96 yards, two TDs, five catches, 77 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And just to like, in terms of watching him, I kept thinking he's like a slug. He's gross. He's just getting like running back. He looks look fast up. as fuck when he was in space. Like oh, wait, when he was running away from the pathetic defense chasing him, he dropped 40 points on me. It was insane. Yeah, so that's a huge kick to the balls. My fantasy locker room, I, I wanted to send a message to them. I've now lost them completely when they watch this guy on the other side of them going ham. We also have Chase Edmonds. He got hurt in the first drive there, high ankle sprain, likely headed to the short-term IR, could miss four to six weeks. For however long he's out, if, if Connor holds up. Now, granted, let's not forget Connor is among the most injury-prone players in the NFL right now. If he holds up, he's going to be a running back one from now until whenever Edmonds returns. And even probably after, they're just going to keep riding this guy. We can't pretend like he's just completely foolproof because, again, there is some big injury history. I do think Eno Benjamin, a very sneaky ad in very deep leagues, just in case something does happen to Connor. But, man, if nothing does happen, he's going to be a league winner. I sent him packing, and I am an absolute moron for it. Mitch just dropped us five bucks, um, but it's a question I, I'm going to save for question time, Mitch, if that's okay. Um, it's, you know, because we could talk about Mahomes all day, but thank you so much already for throwing some love our way. Um, and I, I promise I'll give you at least a, a minute or so on that Mahomes rant that you're asking about. Um, <laughs> Nick Chubb doing some big dick action, rushing 14 times for oh, a yeah. buck 37 and two scores, hauling in his only two targets for 26 receiving yards in Cleveland's drubbing of Cincinnati that we've already referenced. Um, the contrast of that is Dearness Johnson, eight rushes, 16 yards. So uh, if you're wondering who's, you know, swinging the big dick around, it's Nick. And even more so, Dearness didn't touch the ball to the last two possessions. He had right. all that work right. after they were up 34 the eight carries is actually a little misleading. It, very, it looks like it was like, oh, okay, they're still doing the Kareem Hunt, like light roll with Dearness Johnson. No, it was 16 to one before they were completely blowing the doors off. And Chubb, yeah, only two targets. Doesn't seem like much. It's actually a 10.5% target share, given how low they throw the, the ball there. That's not bad. He made a beautiful catch on the sidelines. Maybe that inspires a little more receiving work until Kareem Hunt's back. Either way, what a beastly performance. You love to see it from a, a bonafide RB1. I remember he scored the touchdown, and, and Hills was like, that guy's really fast. I'm like, yeah. And he's also like 230 pounds of sheer muscle. Imagine getting in the – when he gets a full head of steam, I mean, other than Derek Henry. You, you, oh. you want to know who he reminds me of? Who? He reminds me of Frank Gore. Yeah, like a prime, like just ball right. of muscle. Yeah. Just unbelievable. By the way, um, do you know that Frank Gore has been challenged to fight on one of these boxing cards? Yeah, yeah. Celebrity boxing cards? I don't, I don't care who he's fighting. I'm picking Gore. Oh, all day. He just has to whip out the sledgehammer. I know, seriously. <laughs> the nutcracker um, in his pants. Oh, God. You saw this guy come back, and it wasn't probably quite as big as you expected. Uh, he was supposed to be eased in. He still saw nearly 78% of the running back rushes, a 17% target share. That's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, that's RB1 usage right there, seeing 19 opportunities compared to six for Abdullah and five for Hubbard. I mean, Juba. You have, to, you have to think those numbers are going to continue to, like, you know, separate oh right? yeah he put, up, he put up 106 total yards on just 49 percent of the snaps moving forward now that he made it through the game and is fully healthy which is of course even bigger uh importance here i imagine he's going to be playing i mean he was before getting hurt 90 percent of the snaps i think he'll get right back up to 70 percent, 75 percent. maybe they work in a little more of mira doula and chuba but i don't expect that i think this was about as bad of a game and he still had 14.5 ppr points that's his floor. And that, and like this is that's a pretty damn nice floor to have Bacon, other than of course the floor being he gets hurt again and, and we never see him, which could very well happen. But it's very solid percentage, very solid usage in his first game back. It's only uphill from here. It also seemed like they used him more, especially out of the backfield as a receiver in the second half. Seems like they yeah, didn't, I mean, they at didn't one even point you're like, do they forget McCaffrey can catch? No, they were throwing these little uh, you know, screen passes to Chuba Hubbard. And I was like, Well, this seems very intentional. And I do think it was intentional, but in the second half. He was their guy. So, I mean, all that receiving work was in the second half. He got over 50 yards uh, in the air. I left it fairly encouraged, actually. Yeah. Broncos should. running backs, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, um, 21 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. 
two catches for 15. A lot of people have been waiting for Javante Williams to take over this backfield, uh, yours truly included, although I went against Melvin Gordon, and I was like, oh, he sucks, except he doesn't suck when he plays against me. Um, So anyway, uh, that was Melvin Gordon's stat line that I just read you. I I believe that Williams rushed for, what, 111, 121 on the ground himself? Mm -hmm. So, 111 I mean, on 17 carries, and he right. looked so damn good doing it. Like, yeah, so 200 yards between these guys, first of yeah. all. Uh, it was a reflection on the Cowboys, but they're both clearly good. If you look at the opportunities, that's carries plus targets. Gordon had 24, Williams 17. So, I mean, Williams put up those numbers on – that's like a 40% rate, something like that, as far as the opportunities they were getting. Uh, does it seem just like it's going to be a two-headed monster going forward? It really does. Like we keep clamoring for the breakout for Javante. And I guess I got a little frustrated with the usage to the point where I benched him. And, and that was stupid. Cause again, it was from Jeff fucking Wilson. Like, <laughs> anybody, I don't know why I want to anybody that you benched in favor of Jeff Wilson was stupid. If you had plugged me in, in one of your running back spots, we would have put up <laughs> identical, been just good. would have been identical numbers. Got to got as much field time as Jeff Wilson did. Oh, it's, I don't know why I keep reading that. I just want to make myself sick. I think I'm a glutton for punishment. I like to be hurt. I think uh, the but, reason you bring it up is because when people tell you you make bad calls, it's really important for them to know, like, you're putting your money where your mouth is. Like, yeah, you know, if I you told anyone to play Jeff Wilson and it was a huge mistake, guess what? You ate that. Exactly. And that's why uh, you say it. <laughs> but just to reiterate with Melvin Gordon, four touchdowns in six games. So as you said, like, he doesn't look very good, but he's getting all the money gravy touches when they get in close. Meanwhile, Javante Williams has one touchdown across six games. It just is like if that ever, if Gordon does go down, my God, how valuable Javante would be because he'd get that goal line work. He'd get those six to eight touchdowns in addition to just steamrolling what he, which again, he has the most 30 plus yard runs on like half the next carries. It's crazy how good this guy is. Man, I can't wait for him to shake free next year. Melvin Gordon is a free agent. So anyone in keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, the Javante show isn't far, folks. He's going to be a top five guy next year. Just wait. Cordero Patterson, nine rushes for 10 yards. My God, what a terrible game. Oh, right. He also caught six <laughs> passes out of six targets for a buck 26 and basically won the game for the Falcons. I mean, what do you do? We talk about his 15-point base, right? We talk about that all the time. At 21, I think, fantasy points yesterday. I mean, the guy's the real deal, and he's not doing it by rushing, basically, at all. He gets it all done. This was great to see him lead the team in receiving the first game without Ridley. We'll, again, talk about their other pass catchers. He's just their engine. He's has over 30% of the team's total touches and yards. He is just the Falcons and they're winning. It's awesome to see. I, I've always liked Cordero. I've always, sure. always wanted for him to get the right opportunity. And now he has 15 opportunities compared to 11 for Davis. That's 11 too many because Davis put up what? 15 total yards, something pathetic. I, I mean, it is clearly the Cordero Patterson show. And you just got to love rooting for the guy in, in terms of obviously you want to see him play well, but he has some of the best quotes too. He said something along the lines of like people like, you're playing special teams and receiver and running back. How do you do it? He's like, my mom raised me working three jobs. I think I can handle playing three different positions at the NFL level. That's nothing compared to what she did for me. I just love, you gotta love a guy like that. Just humble up, like just sick. He's the man. I fucking love. He's a guy that came out really highly touted. I remember when we worked together, we both really loved him and he was essentially a bust for the first several years of his career. Like a lot of guys in that situation, like would be such dicks. Yeah. And like he never, you never was. You were just kind of like, all right, I guess he's not going to be what we thought he was going to be. And uh, he seemed to handle it with class. And now it's really nice to see him come into his own. I love it. Yeah. Devin Singletary, I never really want to hype this guy up, but Zach Moss did leave the game with a concussion. And we saw Singletary play over 79% of the snaps as a result. Six carries, 16 yards, pretty damn pathetic. But he did see seven catches on eight targets, 43 yards. That's the money work. That's the gravy work right there. And if we got Zach Moss out next week, they are lined up against the Bills, who we just saw Naeem Hines put up 21 and Jonathan Taylor put up 35 points against. They are such an absolutely pathetic run, D, that I do think Singletary would be top five. Not, not top five. Okay, that's that's exaggerating, but probably top 15 play next week. And certainly the number one waiver wire ad, he got dropped in pretty much every league uh, with owners that are actually paying attention, and rightfully so. He's been useless. He should be the absolute uh, smash number one waiver wire pick if he's out there in your leagues. Yeah, it should be fine as long as he's not going against the Jags. Um, Ravens backfield, the mess that it is. Latavius Murray, who's been absent, he was getting a 58% snap share because it's like, what, a three, four, seven-headed monster back there. Um, anyway, he had 13 rushes for 78 yards in the Ravens' win against the Vikings. He also had two catches for four yards, but he did score a touchdown on one of those short passes. 
Also, we had a Le'Veon Bell sighting in that same backfield. 11 rushes, 48 yards. That's not a bad yard per carry clip. And he also had a touchdown. So that's interesting. Tyson Williams did not record a carry or a target in the Ravens' week nine win against the Vikings, putting up Jeff Wilson-esque numbers over there in the backfield for Baltimore. Uh, he got 18 snaps. Let's not, hey, let's not overreact. He didn't touch the ball, but he did get on the field. Let's not let's not take away from him. Not, don't put him in Jeff Wilson shithead fucking territory. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice to see this backfield become at least two heads instead of three heads. Oh, well, I guess when you add Lamar Jackson, he's the number one head of everything. But still, Freeman, as long as Latavius Murray's out, does have some real stream appeal. You'd have to be pretty desperate to go Le'Veon Bell, but he showed some juice in some of his runs, kind of looking shifty. I, I don't know. You could potentially use this guy as well if Murray's out and the matchup is right. I do like what I'm seeing out of Kenyon Drake these days. The No no less than 13 half PPR points since the new head coach, the interim guy, took over. Part of that has been Josh Jacobs being in and out of the lineup with injuries, but, man, he is just getting it done. 70 yards on six catches through the air, 30 more yards on the ground. That's 100 total. That is a season high in terms of total yardage. Didn't find the end zone, but still was eating. Josh Jacobs, meanwhile, did okay. 76 yards on 13 carries, four catches for 19 yards, but did leave the game with a noticeable limp at multiple points. If he misses time, Drake's that much of a better play, but he's seeing just around 40 to 50% of the snaps in these last few weeks. I think he's playable anyways in the right matchups. The Chiefs next week would qualify as one of the right matchups for sure. Let's talk about the Patriots uh, backfield. The Patriots moving the right way as a team, but this is a mighty ugly running back by committee situation, and I'm not sure one that I want any part of. Seems like a roulette wheel. Damian Harris, who had been leading the way, he rushed 15 times for 30 yards. That's pretty bad. And he did have a touchdown, but he also left with a head injury. Uh, in the wake of that, Brandon Bolden came in, rushed eight times for 54. Uh, he had two catches for another 27. And then Ramondre uh, Stevenson, a guy we've mentioned a bunch of times before, 10 rushes for 62 yards. Um, and then he had a head injury. Is that correct? Yeah. So Bolden might end up being the last man standing. If that's the case, then okay, we can fire him up. Otherwise, this is a tricky backfield. I mean, Harris has been so good because of scores, but we do know how fluky touchdowns can be. He did fall in the end zone, kind of save his day this last week, but this was his lowest running back share of the season, 45.5%. He has not seen anywhere close to a double-digit percentage of target share. He is scoring these touchdowns. He continues to fall in, but that is always a risky bet. Uh, I do think, especially, you know, again, 16, 12, and 10 across the three running backs in terms of opportunities, that's a tough situation to ever want to have much stock in. But Bolden could be the last man standing coming up against the Cleveland Browns. So ultimately, he could be a very viable stream and another guy to look at on your waiver wire. Down, down goes Aaron Jones. This is not injury-wise. I should that, That's probably a terrifying thing to say uh, for Otis. Just down fantasy stock-wise, though, given that A.J. Dillon's outperforming him in almost every facet. Eight carries for 46 yards, very solid per clip, looking solid for A.J. Dillon as compared to 12 rushes, so more carries, 53 yards for Aaron Jones, a little more rush yards. This is the big concern, though, for Aaron Jones, is A.J. Dillon, who is not thought to be any type of special pass catcher. Four catches for 44 yards, no targets for Aaron Jones. That is highly concerning. I don't know if that's a product of Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love, but either way, they're putting Dillon in in these pass-catching situations, and he shined. Uh, that 21-yard catch, I mean, he was bowling over defenders, just looking potentially like the better back. And I've always been a huge Aaron Jones guy. Dylan has shown a little bit more juice and certainly more power. It's becoming a near-even split. And then just more so to say we can't have Aaron Jones ranked in our top you know, 10 right now moving forward. And A.J. Dillon also has to continue to get bumped up on these season-long big boards. All right, man, we got a lot of running backs today. We got a big – We don't usually do this. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's a there's lot of RBs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eagles running backs and Jordan Howard. I mean, they're going with a also, let's speak of frustrating committee approaches. The Eagles are at the top of that group. Um, I mean, basically, Jordan Howard got 17 carries plus targets. Boston Scott, 10. Kenneth Gainwell, two. Not a lot of ground pie to go around, um, you know, but Howard was the guy that was leading the way. Gainwell had two rushes for three yards. He did get a score. That's a serious vulture job right there. Boston Scott, 10 rushes for 40 yards. Jordan Howard, 17 times, 71 yards, and a score. Yeah, and it seems like Jordan Howard is the guy moving forward. In fact, the report coming out today, they expect him to remain a key piece even when Sanders returns. You hope Sanders returns to this type of workload. Again, 66 carries out of the backfield these last two weeks, compared to 27 across the two weeks before that when they actually had Miles Sanders, their best player. 
go figure. I don't understand Sirianni. But it's just like one of those things where, okay, it was Howard this week. They're saying he's going to be the guy moving forward. I don't know that I could ever trust anything coming out of this coaching staff's mouth. And last, uh, no, we might have one or two more guys. Eli no, Mitchell, there's more. Uh, Eli Mitchell, someone we certainly have to highlight. One, Jeff Wilson's return. Again, zero snaps. If, I, if it hasn't been clear yet on this show. Happy Jeff Wilson week, folks. Uh, Eli Mitchell did see 13 of the running back opportunities, five of them also going to Hasty. He didn't do a ton, 36 yards. But what was key here is he saw five catches for 43 yards. This is pretty insane because one – so the most rushing share he's ever seen on the year, 89% season high there. Uh, he's always been around that 80 to 85% range on the season, though. What was crazy to see a 12.8% target share. That is big. If he continues to get those type of uh, receiving workload, in addition to the 80-plus percent of carries he's seeing every week, he's going to go down the stretch as a monster. Granted, it was Wilson's first game back. I wonder if he works in a little bit more uh, as he gets more practice time. But something to definitely monitor. If this continues for Eli Mitchell, he's, he'll go down other than Cordero Patterson, of course, as the waiver wire pickup of the year. I've picked both of them off off waivers <laughs> this year. I have them both. Darrell Williams, another guy I picked up off waivers. He's the bell cow in Kansas You're City, evidently. Him. Yeah, except I got destroyed this week. Um, <laughs> if you look at the carries versus targets split up for the whole Chiefs uh, running back team, there's 30 of them. Williams got 23. That should tell you everything you need to know. 19 rushes, 70 yards, three catches, seven yards on top of that. But compare that to the other guys, Derek Core, three rushes for 13. Jarek McKinnon, no rushes, three catches for 26 yards. Yeah, we'll move to the Dolphins here. Gaskin didn't have a huge stat line. It was usable. It got the job done, but it was the usage. 20 carries for 34 yards and then six catches for 23 yards. That was a season high in terms of everything. 83.3% uh, running back share. Uh, his previous high had been 71% share. So that's a very stark improvement in addition to uh, six targets. I believe that was the second highest total he's seen on the season. Very encouraging usage moving forward. The Ravens have given up the eighth most points to so Thursday night. A very viable play, uh, Miles Gaskin. Titans backfield, Adrian Peterson, 10 rushes, 21 yards. Not that impressive, but he did score. That is his 125th touchdown of his career, I believe. Um, and they won against the Rams. Like we said, Jeremy McNichols had seven rushes for 24 yards. So between the two of those guys, they rushed for 45 yards. Not that encouraging, except they came away with a win against a really good team. Uh, he also had 11 uh, yards on three catches. Yeah, it does seem like AP, they want him to be the focal point moving forward. They're using him wildcat, these unique type of formations. Didn't do much special against that stingy front for the Rams. Uh, it, obviously, it just seems like it played out exactly how we thought. Carries are going to go more to Adrian Peterson. I thought maybe he was a little more involved as a ball carrier again with those seven. Uh, but the, the receiving work will go his way. Neither were overly impressive, but I do still think Adrian Peterson's the one you want moving forward. Finally, Give us on, a like to everybody as we go into wide receivers. Give us a like. Please do consider giving us that like. It'd mean the world a free way to support us. And thanks again, Mitch, for supporting us the financial way. Much appreciated indeed. Elijah Moore, the guy that I was hyping as a potential season winner from the start, is suddenly starting to look like it. He just needed Zach Wilson to be gone. He's averaging Eli Moore when non-Zach Wilson starts 20.3 points per game. He averages five points per game when Zach Wilson's on the field. I hope that even when Wilson returns, he can realize how damn good this guy is. It makes me feel a little vindicated to see him perform as good as he has. Uh, he actually ranks fifth among all receivers in yards per route run across these last few weeks, but still only running about half percent run, route share. He, I, I imagine he's going to continue to see that number bumped up this week, going bananas for 84 yards and two touchdowns on eight targets. Uh, just looking unbelievable every time he sees the rock. I know Corey Davis wasn't in. I know Zach Wilson, who's killed him, wasn't in. So it was like the best case scenario. But when you see this type of work and these types of performances, you've got to imagine him clearly ascending past Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, Braxton Barrios, who hasn't been able to shake. I imagine all this continues to improve for Eli Moore. He'll be a priority on waiver wires this week. Hunter Revfro, in the well-publicized absence of Henry Ruggs, which is going to be prolonged, obviously, was targeted nine mm -hmm. times, caught seven balls, 49 yards, and a touchdown, and the Raiders lost to the Giants. That's another game that we didn't even mention that didn't go the way it was supposed to. Yeah, I know, right? The Raiders were atop the division, and then they gave top of the – yeah, what a fucking insane bloody oh, Sunday. And, and to add on to that, Brian Edwards, who I kind of was like, yeah, Brian Edwards could be a sneaky good play. No catches targeted yeah. four times. Yeah, so an intriguing way to look at the depth chart without rugs. Not that rugs, as we just talked about, only about five to six targets per game anyways. It wasn't like a huge seismic absence, but most of that work did go to Renfro, as well as Darren Waller we'll talk about when we get to tight ends. 
let's talk about a couple Ravens receivers. First, Marquise Brown, just reiterating, after 14 targets uh, his last game out, saw 12. He is just the engine of this passing attack and one of the most impressive, and I still think highly underrated. People don't seem to be talking about the fact this guy is top five at this point in wide receiver expected points, top six in terms of actual points. Nine catches, 116 yards, barely missed a touchdown as well. Looking damn good. 42 targets across his last four, and he keeps getting labeled as a wide receiver too. This guy's a bona fide fantasy wide receiver one, even with Rashad Bateman, the other Ravens receiver I want to talk about, setting a season high in targets with eight, also setting a season high in snap share, 66%, uh, and 82% route share. So when he was out there, he was essentially always running a route. He went for five and 52, just barely missed a couple long bomb touchdowns though. Loved how he was targeted in all different facets and all different layers of the field. I think he is this close to a huge breakout and at only 35% rostered, that number needs to get a big uptick. Falcons wide receivers, and I'm going to include Kyle Pitts in this too. So we'll say Falcons pass catchers. Yeah. Uh, Matty Ice spreading the ball around. Kyle Pitts targeted seven times, only caught three, but he got 62 yards. And you see like how they're going to use this guy at some point. You can see why the hype was what it was. He's a very dangerous pass catcher. There's no doubt about it. Uh, not to be outdone, however, Olamedi Zacchaeus. That's <laughs> Zacchaeus. Three out of three targets, 58 yards, and two, count them, two touchdowns. If you started him in your daily fantasy, you're licking your chops right now. Uh, this is all with Calvin Ridley out, of course, which is opening the door for a lot of unlikely guys. Russell Gage, seven catches on eight targets, 64 yards. Not a bad stat line for him. And let's not forget Tajay Sharp, a guy like three years ago that we thought was going to be really good for the Titans and wasn't. He did catch a 12-yard pass. So that's something, I guess, in the Falcons' week nine win against the heavily favored Saints. Another game does- that we got wrong. <laughs> After zero points, I think Gage is by far the most intriguing one out of there, 26.7%. Sure. And by most intriguing, I mean the most intriguing storyline. Of course, Kyle Pitts is the number one guy you want moving forward. Routinely roasted uh, Lattimore and just barely missed a long touchdown. Could have had a huge day had he caught that one, uh, but still an encouraging performance to see him do that much damage against one of the better corners in the league. The guy I am routinely lower on each and every week. I get plenty wrong. <laughs> Clearly, again, Jeff Wilson. But DJ Moore, I, I couldn't be more right to be lower on this guy. Three catches, 32 yards, seven targets. And yeah, it's much less about him than it is Sam Darnold. But he's attached to his quarterback. He's going to go as far as his quarterback goes. Weeks one through four, 22.4 PPR points per game for DJ Moore. Looking like the breakout star of the mid-rounds. Weeks five through nine, 10.1. PPR points per game. I think he needs to be on benches. I mean, I guess it's tricky. He'll probably be a top like 30 guy each and every week in the rankings. But if you have better options, you know, the fact that Donald has not had a QB one performance in five straight games, he has two passing TDs and eight interceptions across his five last game. He looks every bit as bad as he looked with the jets for a while. It was like the jets are the clear problem. Donald's escaped. He's free from Gase. No, Donald fucking sucks. He's bad. Jalen Waddle, eight catches on 10 targets for 83 yards in Miami's win against Houston. Now, granted, it's Houston, but there's a lot to be liking about Waddle this year. And, you know, if you look at his stat line, going back the last four games, he's played at least 84% of the offensive snaps in every one of those games. You don't want anything. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what you're looking for. As far as you want your guy on the field, you want your guy running routes. Waddle is, when he's getting targeted, he's catching the ball. I think that's something to be encouraged by. Absolutely. Looking at the Browns post-Beckham, Donovan Peoples-Jones taking over that deep ball role, and he's always had better chemistry with Baker Mayfield. Hauls in a nice uh, 60-yard touchdown as well as another 26-yard gain. Only two targets, but 86 yards and a score. Not too bad to have that damage. Suck to see Jarvis Landry did lead in target share with five targets, but that just goes to show you when they're leading, there's really just very low volume to this aerial pie. Three catches for 11 yards. Oh, absolutely hideous. Again, great to see this guy just routinely lead the team in target share, 25%, 32%, and 26% these last few weeks. He ran 83% of the routes, but that is a very discouraging floor. I guess I mean, it says in his blurb, high floor wide receiver two or three without Beckham. I don't think it's high floor at all. When they get the right game script, nobody's going to do damage unless it's Donovan Peoples-Jones getting deep down the field. So scary reminder of actually how low his floor truly is when it seems like it should be significantly higher. Devontae Smith targeted six times, caught five of them, 116 yards and a score in Philly's loss to the Chargers. That game could have gone either way. Smith clearly the alpha dog there. Absolutely. And against the Chargers, giving up the second fewest to wide receivers, this was a beautiful game. He was running wide open routinely against a very good secondary, 37.5% target share this last week. Very solid to see. 
Not solid to see in the target share for targets for Jacoby Myers. He was like the empty calorie type of guy. At least he's seeing 10 times uh, looks a, a week. Four. One catch going for eight yards. He's cuttable. The only reason he's on this list is because he's cuttable at this point. There's no ceiling because he still hasn't, if he didn't miss this one, a touchdown in his NFL career. NFL record for yards before a touchdown at this point. No floor, no ceiling. He doesn't need to be on rosters anymore. Van Jefferson, we talked about how bad the Rams passing game was. He only had three catches for 41 yards, but I watched that whole game. And the thing that struck me was that he seemed to be on the field pretty much every play. And the numbers actually did bear that. I was over 90% of the time. So he's out there as much as Woods, as much as Cup. I, I think that's going to pay dividends at some point. Oh, yeah. And this was as bad of a game as we'll see from the Rams all season as that locked in wide receiver three. He's going to have some huge games because Deshaun Jackson is now gone without rugs. Uh, who was seeing 17 plus yards uh, average depth of target over 30 targets uh, on those. I think Jackson's going to walk right into a nice deep threat role. Uh, Derek Carr has been willing to sling that thing down the field. So he could be an intriguing pickup as early as this week. Uh, and also Brandon Ayuk in terms of deep threats, six of eight targets going for 89 yards and a score. We talked about him as a riser last week because the snaps were yep. a season high 98%. We saw those like underlying usage factors. But then this week, it actually came to fruition with a monster type of game, at least in, according to this season's standards. And I thought what was most intriguing, again, 93% snaps, 94% routes, and a 20% target share, all very encouraging. But the fact that he fumbled it early and didn't go immediately into the doghouse by Kyle Shanahan, I was like, good Lord, this is the last we're going to see of Brandon Ayuk this season, that fumble, this costly mistake. They actually put him right back out there and, and continue to dial him up. That was pretty damn encouraging to see he actually has a little leash on this rope now moving forward. Jerry Judy caught six balls for 69 yards. That was on eight targets. Not a huge stat line, although his team did completely mess up the Cowboys. So maybe they were playing a little more conservatively at the end. He's been targeted 25% of the time he's run a pass route this year, which uh, is a pretty high clip, actually. Um, and the other side of the coin there, you'd have to look at Cortland Sutton. He was targeted twice. He caught one ball for nine yards. I do think maybe he caught a two-point conversion in there, but whatever. Uh, Tim Patrick also, and I, I know this because I went against Tim Patrick, of course. Would have been nice to go against Cortland Sutton. Sutton, but anyway, Patrick, uh, four catches on five targets, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Like we said, the Broncos looked impressive. Don't know how real that is. I'm skeptical, but hey, you can't argue with what happened. Yeah, certainly, Judy, the story of that one. I mean, Tim Patrick has now led the team in receiving back-to-back -back weeks for yardage. He seems just to always get it done. He's almost like better when he's the wide receiver three, getting the third attention, and Bridgewater's loving him quarterbacks loved him last year. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the NFL, to be honest. But Judy, 32% target share. Uh, Cortland Sutton has not seen anything that high since week two. So just as another emphasis, Sutton is a huge faller this week with uh, being clearly behind these other two guys, it seems, at this point. I want to know, you have this guy in your league. I have him in my Holy Cross league. Where that, that league is just, I've never been worse in my entire life than what I'm putting out this year. Two of five targets. Just again, another five or below target share. Uh, 58 yards, he kind of salvaged his day a little bit with a 49-yard catch, but otherwise was pretty much invisible this entire week. It seems like a far cry since those early few weeks where it's like the Mike Thomas X role, he's an alpha. I was fully bought in. I was loving it, 30-plus points in like multiple contests. It's hard to sit the guy because of that upside, but this is starting to get concerning. Is it, is it not truth? Where's your panic meter? My, my panic meter is certainly like above six, I would say, maybe seven. I don't know. I mean – the fact is, I mean, he was the wide receiver, too, for a long time. And when when my receivers are all healthy, I think I'm going to bench him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just I, like his floor is is it's not like the Cordero Patterson, like 15 point floor, like his floor is like four or something like that. And I can't deal with it. Exactly. I know for a while people were debating which one would you rather have, Williams yeah, or Keenan Allen? Yeah, you and I said we'd rather have Williams. Keenan Allen at this point is by far the obvious answer with 13 targets, 12 catches, 104. He's seen like 10 or more in pretty much every game, I think, but one. 34.2% target share this last week. The clear-cut guy to have moving forward for the Chargers. Williams remains kind of, as you said, like you'd have to have very good receivers to bench him. But I, I have a league where I have like McLaurin, Cooper Cup, and Debo Samuel. I won't be seeing Williams in my starting lineup anytime soon with that type of core. Right. Let me ask you this real quick in a vacuum. Who do you like more, T. Higgins or Williams? I mean, you know, Higgins is going to get like 12 targets a week. I, it's so hard to bench Williams for, for Higgins, but like he's at least seeing the work and he looked damn good this week too. So He did. And I mean, yeah. on top of that, I have Cooper Cup and I have AB. And I mean, and I got really good 
running backs for flex. I think Williams is probably going to be seeing the bench next week. I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay, Giants wide receivers. Kadarius Tony, a guy you've been really high on, one target, nine yards. But he caught his only one target, so 100% catch rate. That's good. Ooh. Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay caught both his targets. These guys are catching 100% of the balls thrown their way. Two of them for 28 yards. Um, Daniel Jones completing 15 to 20 for a cool 110 yards and a touchdown in yeah, their awesome. win against the Raiders. I know. That's the craziest part is how bad this aerial pie is, yet they still won. I don't know what else to say about that. You see 11% target share for Galladay, 5% target share for Tony to sacrifice for Kyle Rudolph, 30% target share. You got to throw it to Kyle Rudolph instead of your electrifying rookie, your huge, big money, free agent acquisition receiver. No, let's make sure we pepper Kyle fucking Rudolph. Oh, God. We're up to 75 questions, by the way. I know. Yeah, we'll make sure. I think we only have a few more players to to cover here. Wide receivers, just a couple left. Cole Beasley uh, is Joe Bashulia again, our guy from The Athletic over there, speculating that he's the de facto running back, given that he just gets dink, dunk and dink, dump and dink. He had eight catches this week for 33 yards. Nothing huge, but PPR leagues, damn, that's not bad. 11 targets this week, 12 the week before. He's now up to 40 targets across three games. I mean, he's getting it done. In terms of just dinking and dunking down the field, they don't have a running back presence. He is the guy. Michael Gallup is supposed to play for the first time in a long time in week 10 against the Falcons. He's been out since week one. Just That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, and weirdly, their third receiver is Malik Turner. Last week, two touchdowns. Cedric Wilson, a touchdown the week before. They seem to be getting juicy matchups, and they're exploiting it. So maybe out there in a ton of leagues, take a good gander at Michael Gallup, one of the better talents uh, in the league. Now we'll move on to tight end, which is always – much faster. We'll get to all your questions in a sec. We'll pack 75 of them. Love to see that. Great interaction. Can't wait to answer them all. But of course, if you don't mind hitting that thumbs up to help us continue to grow Wolfpack before we can get to your questions, that would be so appreciated. Probably the biggest single riser of the week across all positions, for me at least, George Kittle. Six catches, 101 yards, one TD. Was supposed to play about half the snaps with the report Adam Schefter had coming out before the game. He ultimately played 73%. 67% route rate and eight targets, a 20% uh, target share. Beautiful game from him. And it was more so just the nature of the targets deep down the field, contested catches, end zone looks that he doesn't normally see. Love to see it. There's clearly no lingering concerns about his health. And you just snap him right back in your top four, maybe top three tight ends. Rest of the season, you don't look back. Speaking of guys that might belong in that conversation, Darren Waller, seven catches on 11 targets. We are waiting for this target share to come back up. 92 yards in the Raiders' loss to the Giants, of course. Seven catches for 92 in PPR for a tight end. It's a great game. Absolutely, especially since he hadn't seen 65 yards since week one. Beautiful reminder that this guy was, and we talked about it, the ultimate buy low these last couple of weeks. Ruggs' absence, maybe that played a role. I think it's just that Darren Waller is so damn good, and at least they finally woke up to it. Not that good is Jared Cook, former Raider right there. Uh, 48 yards, four targets. Not actually that bad of a tight end. Uh, I just want to say that he had a better game than Mike Williams. Sure did. Uh, what's concerning, though, is the fact that Donald Parham had three catches, 39 yards, and a TD. Steven Anderson. He also had a better game than Mike Williams. Also did. And so did Steven Anderson. And so Whatever did the Steven fuck Anderson. that is, caught a touchdown as well. Uh, so ultimately, it just sucks for Cook. He, he saw decent work, had some decent catches, but this is just a, a monstrous three-headed, gross, nibbling cheese situation that I don't think any of us really need a piece of. Dallas Goddard, three catches on six targets for 43 yards. I mean, uh, you know, that's not a great stat line, although Hertz did miss him wide open downfield on what had been a long game, maybe even a touchdown. Um, he still had a 37.5% target share, which was tied with Devontae Smith. So and that's don't, the big news. don't be overly uh, discouraged by the stat line. I mean, you can be disappointed, but it's there. It's like we talk about fantasy points and expected fantasy points. The guy probably should have gotten more than he did. A hundred percent an 11% target share before Ertz got traded. He's now up to 33% target share since Ertz has been traded. Just a monster in terms of that usage. He had 70 plus yards in two of the first three games without Ertz should have had it, as you said, before that misconnection. Uh, so yeah, very encouraging. Also getting encouragingly used. Can't believe it. Dan Arnold has now led the Jaguars in back-to-back -back games in receiving four catches on seven targets, 60 yards. He had 10 targets just a week ago when he also led them in receiving yards. He's a low-end tight end one at this point. It's gross. It's hideous. But you gross. can look for this guy on your waiver wire. if Big you're game, Dan Arnold. Uh, and last but not least, Tyler Conklin. 
He was a big waiver ad last week. He did deliver as a plug-and-play guy. Five catches on seven targets, 45 yards. Not too bad for a tight end. Yeah, exactly. Again, for a tight end, not bad, especially when you consider it's 21 and 25% target shares. These back-to-back games with seven targets. Pretty solid usage, and he just barely missed a touchdown this week, which would have made him a smash play. I think he's definitely in your stream, streaming radar against a Chargers team that, other than Baltimore, Baltimore was the best matchup that he just had this last week, second best matchup for tight ends coming up. So just a streaming guy for you on your radar. Just I know some of our only hardcore fans are left here, so thank you guys for yeah, still thanks. being here with us. I do want to make sure I make it clear here. I'm going to be at the Patriots game on Sunday, so our usual sit-start show, we're going to be bumping up, I believe, to Saturday at the usual time, wow. Saturday at 11 uh, this week. So that way, because uh, I don't know, Sunday, it, obviously, blowing the Pats game is going to be tough to uh, figure that out. And I know there's going to be some news and things that impacts that, and I apologize. But we'll be going on Saturday just so at least we have some sort of show for you guys. Maybe the Truth and CJ can get something going on Sunday. I don't know. I know Sunday mornings are tough for you, Truth. So we my will kid, see. My kid has a soccer game and a basketball game, so I don't know. So probably won't be the Truth. Maybe Jimbo Slice. We'll probably throw Jimbo somebody Slice? On the yeah, air. Maybe, you sure about that? Maybe, just maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That could be the downfall. A live Jimbo slice. No, he's great. Uh, so yeah, guys, just giving you guys that heads up. Uh, Sunday is going to be a little bit of a different schedule. Once I talk to CJ, no more. But you know, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, and Wednesday, live 7 p.m. So we'll we'll know before then. And of course, our Thursday show, uh, as always, which we've already said, we're going to put a, quite a few back on Thursday. And I'm looking forward to it. So guys, thank you so much again. On your way out, if you haven't already hit that thumbs up button, means the world. Check out rosaryjournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. Best of luck to Pittsburgh defense. Truth, 40 points tonight. Let's get it. Uh, but cheers, everybody. Thanks again. In a world full of fancy sheep, be the wolf guys later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the